Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. We're looking at the verses 1 to 7, same text as last week, part 2 today. Hebrews 11, 1 to 7. You know, some things are more, uh, are easier to illustrate than they are to define. Easier to illustrate than define. I was searching the internet for some example of that. I couldn't get my head around one. And I happened onto the Letcher County, Kentucky Adult Education website, where I found a, a discussion about algebraic uh, uh, functions. A great illustration. Everyone, it's easy to describe what a function means. The function of an apple peeler is to peel apples. The function of a car wash is to wash cars. The function of a hair dryer is to dry hair. But describing a function in algebra is a bit of a different matter. Here we go. A function is a relation from a domain set to a range set, where each element of the domain set is related to exactly one element of the range set. You got that? Like I said, some things are easier to illustrate than they are to define. Sometimes it's more helpful to ask, what does it do, not just what is it? And faith is a bit like that. Last week we tried to answer the question, what is it? And indeed, in Hebrews 11.1, we have this great definition of faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Or as we stated it in our first point, God's word assures us of things we cannot see. But having said that, this week we're going to go on in a different direction. This week we'll ask instead, what does faith do, though? This week we'll begin to, to define it by illustrating it. In fact, that's what this whole chapter does in the many verses to come. So let me read the text again, and then we'll look at it through this other lens. Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 7. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, last week, we looked at this passage And we considered the first truth of this passage, the definition in verse 1, and an illustration of that in the matter of the creation of the world in verse 3. As promised today, we come to the second truth, which is found generally in verse 2. But since we have three illustrations, uh, we're going to structure it this way. That second truth we'll call our theme for the morning, and we'll make these three illustrations into three specific points. So we have three points that illustrate this one theme. 
let, let, let's start with that theme. The theme is that God approves of those who walk by faith. God approves of those who walk by faith. That faith, that, that point is stated, uh, very, that truth is stated very clearly in verse 2. This, that is faith, is what the ancients were commended for. And then we're given three illustrations of ancient saints whom God commended for their faith. God approves of those who walk by faith. But then in verse 6, if we look down a little bit, uh, the same point is made negatively. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we put them together, the negative and the positive, we have something like, by faith they receive divine approval, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, God approves of those who walk by faith. Now this is the crucial point throughout this whole chapter. These heroes of faith that we're going to have listed, many, many of them in chapter 11, did not receive divine approval because they were successful. Some of them were terrible failures. They did not receive divine approval because they were smarter or better looking or more likable or showed more promise than others. Many of them were nobodies. They did not receive divine approval because they were more righteous than others. Abraham sinned miserably. Rahab was a miserable sinner. Jacob was a miserable sinner. King David sinned miserably. They were all sinners, none of them deserving. So what did they do that got them into this hall of fame? They didn't live by their wits. They didn't live according to what everyone else said was smart. They didn't do what they thought would make them popular or successful. They didn't pursue their own self-interest. They didn't even try to preserve their own lives. They heard what God said And in spite of the unknown of the future, in spite of the unknown of many unseen, incomprehensible things, they lived in the reality, in the certainty that was greater than life itself, that what God said is true. They staked their lives on it. And God commended them for it. For God approves of those who walk by faith. That's the faith demonstrated in the lives of Abel and Enoch and Noah in verses 4 to 7. In each case, God's approval is the central theme. In verse 4, by faith, Abel was commended as righteous by God accepting his gifts. In verse 5, by faith, Enoch, before God took him, was commended as having pleased God. And in verse 7, Noah became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Clearly the point of these three examples is that God commends, approves of, is pleased with, considers righteous those who walk by faith. But what does walking by faith look like? Well, for that, God has given us the examples of these three ancient Saints. So let's look at them one at a time, and, 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 and a truth for each one. The first is this. Walking by faith means offering our lives. Walking by faith means offering our lives. 
as you probably know, Cain and Abel were the first brothers, sons of Adam. Genesis 4 tells us they brought sacrifices to the Lord in worship. And God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but not with Cain's. Consequently, in a rage of anger, Cain killed his brother, Abel. Now, there's been a great deal of discussion about the difference between the offering Cain offered and the offering Abel offered. But the issue is not the difference between an offering of produce and an offering of, of, of an animal. Here we are told that in Abel, God saw a heart of faith resting in God's promises, walking in his ways, but that was not what he saw in the heart of Cain. In other words, as Gregory the Great put it in about 600 AD, it was not the offerer who received approval because of the offering. It was the offering that received approval because of the offerer. Cain made an offering, an an outward act of worship, but his heart was far from God. While Abel offered himself to God. And out of that offering of himself, worshipped with a sacrifice on the altar. Walking by faith means offering our lives. Oh, but Abel's offering of himself didn't end with this act of worship. His own life became an offering when his brother killed him for his faith. What did Abel do that so enraged his brother Cain that he killed him? It's possible that maybe they had a discussion sometime about their different views. No record of a fight, no record of such a discussion even. The only thing we're told is that God approved of Abel's offering and he did not approve of Cain's. But when God looked with favor on Abel, who believed him and trusted him, and not Cain, Cain was so angry, not at God, he was angry at his brother, and he killed him. Now verse 4 says that though Abel died, he still speaks. So what does his life say to us? From Abel, we learned the cost of living by faith. Simply because you believe, the world may hate or harm you. That's what Jesus said. The world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would, lo- it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Folks, this is a real challenge to us in our day in the church here in America. For we are accustomed to faith not costing us much. We're accustomed to living as comfortably as everyone else. We're used to being well spoken of. We assume that it's our right to believe whatever we want to believe without being even inconvenienced, let alone hated and persecuted. But God approves of those who live by faith, and walking by faith means offering our lives, whether in life or in death, like Abel did. Then verse 5, Enoch, another ancient hero of faith, is said before us, which brings us to our second point. Walking by faith 
means walking with the Lord. Walking by faith means walking with the Lord. Enoch is not as familiar a Bible character as some others. He was a descendant, albeit several generations later, uh, of Seth, who was the brother that was born after Cain uh, killed Abel. Enoch was the father of Methuselah, the oldest man who ever lived, way back before the flood when people lived extremely long lives. But the one great thing the Bible tells us about Enoch is that Enoch walked with God for his whole life. Over 300 years, Enoch walked with God until God took him away, having never died. Enoch is the ultimate example of walking by faith, for he literally walked with God right into eternity. Therefore, here in Hebrews 11, the Spirit explains to us that Enoch is an illustration of what faith looks like. Now, that does not mean that that, uh, those who walk in faith will never die. Everybody dies. Enoch was a rare exception. But Enoch is an example of faith in a couple of other ways. First, Enoch's walk was a walk with God. It was focused on the Lord himself. The notion these days is that faith is a tool that we use to twist God's arm to give us what we want. If we have enough faith, we'll get stuff from God. But here in verse 6, in the example of Enoch, we see that true faith is not about getting things from God, it's about relationship to God. It starts with acknowledging that he exists. Anyone who comes to him must... Believe that he exists. Faith is not trying to believe in a God that we know doesn't exist. That's self-deception. Faith is accepting God's word and the testimony of creation that God does exist and then seeking to know him, believing he will reward our search. And reward he does, not with wealth or power, but with himself. As he said to Abraham, I am your shield I am your very great reward. Or as Jeremiah said, a very similar thing, the Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. We sing this regularly in one of our songs. You're the giver and you're the gift. All good things are from you. No wonder the Westminster Catechism begins by saying that the chief end of man is to know God and enjoy him. Walking by faith does not mean twisting God's arm to get what we want. It means walking in fellowship with, enjoying the Lord himself. That's what Enoch did. But Enoch also testifies that this was not just a mountaintop experience. This was not just an hour of decision. Enoch walked with God. This is a familiar Christian concept, faith as walking. We hear it repeatedly in the New Testament, walk in the light. Walk in the spirit, walk in the truth, walk in obedience, walk in love. Walking by faith is like, well, uh, walking. (laughs) I remember vividly a professor I had in college uh, talking about walking with the Lord. He's one of these guys that pace back and forth up front. I don't do that much, but I remember him pacing back and forth, giving us walking lessons. That was 50 years ago, but it's still vivid in my mind, so I'll pass it on to you. He pointed out walking involves three things. Walking involves depending. 
That's faith. To walk, you have to push yourself off balance. Push yourself off balance. And trust that your other foot and the floor are going to catch you. Otherwise, you're going to fall flat on your face. Your face. It's depending. You can't walk even one step without risking pushing yourself off balance and trusting that your, feet, your foot is going to catch you. Otherwise, you're just going to stand still your whole life because it's too scary to walk. Depending. Walking is continuing. Enoch continued for over 300 years. You see, one step is not walking. That's just a step. Jumping is not walking, no matter how great of a leap you can make. Running and then stopping and catching your breath is not walking. Walking is simply continuing, continuing, continuing. Depending, continuing, and then thirdly, walking means one step at a time. Step, 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 step. It's so simple. What's one step? It's how you walk. (laughs) In fact, you cannot take more than one step at a time. Just one act of faith. Just one occasion to trust the Lord. Just one matter taken to him in prayer and left there. Just one act of obedience when it seemed impossible. Just one. And then another. And then another. Depending. Believing. Stepping out in faith. By one tangible act after another. And continuing for the rest of your life. So Enoch walked. In fellowship with God. And that's what faith looks like. Faith means walking. Faith means walking with God. And then finally we come to the example of Noah, the last of these, saint, these ancient saints. And from Noah we learn this third thing. Walking by faith means walking in obedience. Walking by faith means walking in obedience. One of the great controversies in church history is the relationship between faith and works. Much ink has been spilled over this issue. But in the life of Noah, God gives us a simple, crystal clear picture of that relationship between faith and works. First, we need to understand that Noah did not earn his standing before God. Genesis 6, where we have the story of Noah, never mentions the word faith, but it does say clearly that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And his response to God's grace was faith just like today. When God told Noah that he had looked on him with favor, Noah believed him. When God told Noah he was about to destroy the world, Noah believed him. When God told Noah he would deliver him out of this judgment, Noah believed him. Noah was a man of faith. In fact, we read in Genesis 6 verse 9 that Noah walked with God just like Enoch Noah knew the intimacy of daily personal relationship with God, a relationship of dependence, continuing dependence, 
every step of the way. Noah belonged to God and pleased God by grace through his faith. But out of that grace, which the Lord lavished on Noah, came also a life of obedience. Not just faith, but faithfulness. The account of Noah's life in Genesis says this repeatedly. In chapter 6, verse 22, we read, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. In chapter 7, verse 5, Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Chapter 7, verse 9, they entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And then here in Hebrews 11, the Lord also makes a point of Noah's faithful obedience. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Imagine Noah was like people in our day. Imagine Noah said, Now I certainly believe in God. But you know, the truth is, we've never had a flood like this. God could not mean the literal flood. Floods just don't happen like that. What we need to do is we need to demythologize this flood prediction and understand that the real meaning is that God predicts that the world will be flooded with sorrow if people continually to violent, continue to violently destroy each other. <clears throat> that sounds scholarly. Or suppose Noah had said, hey, God promised to save me. He said it was grace. He doesn't need me breaking my back to build a boat. That wouldn't be trusting God. That would be works. I'll just wait on the Lord to save me. That's not what happened, though. Neither one of those. Listen again to what real faith looks like. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Noah did not earn his salvation by works. God saved him by grace. God himself said so. But there is no chance that Noah would have been saved from that flood if he had not believed God enough to build that ark. You see, there's a vital relationship between faith and obedience. I make a point of this because there are so many Christians in our day who say, I believe, I believe. And they gather for worship and they sing wonderful songs of praise to the Lord and how great he is. But do nothing to build an ark to save their families. They separate faith and obedience. Now, it's important to separate faith and works in our discussion about the gospel, in order to make it crystal clear that we're saved by grace, not by some merit that we bring to the table. That's an important discussion. The Bible does that repeatedly. The Bible talks about the necessity of faith as opposed to works. But in practice, 
You cannot separate faith and faithfulness. True faith produces faithfulness. That's true in every area of life. You will do what you believe. If I told you right now that in two minutes, this building is going to collapse and kill everyone inside, I could tell who believed me by who got up and gathered their children and got out the door. And so we know that Noah believed God for in holy fear, believing God was also a God of judgment and that it was coming, in holy fear he did what God said and began to build an ark to save his family. And we can tell what each other believes by what steps we take to bring salvation to our families. For walking by faith means walking in faithfulness. The great theme of our text this morning, indeed of this whole chapter of Hebrews, is that God approves of those who walk by faith. But like so many things, faith can be more easily illustrated than defined. So in this morning's text, God gives us three illustrations. Three ancient saints who lived and believed way back before the flood that destroyed the world. From their lives, we learn three things about faith. Just to recap, walking in faith means offering our lives, as Abel did. Whether for life or for for death. Secondly, walking by faith means walking with God as Enoch did. Knowing and enjoying the Lord himself. Depending, continuing one step at a time through our whole life. And thirdly, we learn that walking by faith means walking in obedience as Noah did. Resting in God's grace. But believing God's promise enough to build an ark to save our families. God approved of those saints of old who walk by faith, and God approves of you who follow their example. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, faith seems to mean so many things to so many people, and we so often have stripped it of any real serious consequences, real serious meaning. We've made it a little bit of a mental ascent to something which doesn't necessarily make any difference in our life. We've made it, Lord, a definition of a bunch of beliefs that we give some lip service to. But, Lord, the faith of Abel and Enoch and Noah often eludes us. So help us, Lord, to understand that faith is what you want to see. That you commend those, approve of those, are pleased with those who believe what you said enough to walk in it. May that be true of every single one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.